Taking care of a little can be torture, but Lovely Marks makes it easy. With their customizable binkies, I can get all the peace and quiet I want, and my little gets all the humiliation they deserve. If their I poop my pants binky doesn't do the trick, try a paddle. These ergonomic handle bamboo paddles provide absolute comfort on one side and absolute discomfort on the other. Your little will break far before this thing does. And the best part, you can get it personalized with laser engraving. Just for Newsy Nook listeners, Lovely Marks is offering 10% off your next order. Just use promo code NewsyBaby at LovelyMarks.com. Try it today, because your bottom deserves some Lovely Marks. Hello, 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 and welcome to Newsy's Nook, a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to want my pamps. I am your host, Newsy Baby. This week in Newsy's Nook, I'm highlighting our Asian American and Pacific Islander ABDLs and the struggles that are unique to them. This week in Uzi's Nook, May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, a time to recognize their contributions and influence. I sit down with little puppy JC, who recently highlighted on Twitter that being a gay kinky Asian is very hard. We talk about the struggles he has endured and advice for other queer kinky Asians. Why do you feel like Asian queer kinksters are underrepresented? Yeah, so, um, well, first, um, I'd like to say that, you know, I only can speak to my own lived experience and, you know, can only really generalize for other gay Asian Americans in in this community. You know, I feel like America likes to paint Asians as a monolith, but there are 48 countries in Asia. You know, there are common threads that tie us together, but it's a long thread and with many different colors. So, You know, I can only speak to myself as a Korean Asian American, uh, you know. And to your question as to why we're underrepresented, um, I think a lot, I think kink is exploring the ability to, you know, enjoy your true self um, fully. And I don't know if first and second generation Asian Americans have the ability to do that. Um, you know, they're not able to freely live out their desires or passions or lives. And the culture, the Asian culture that, you know, comes with the immigrants, you know, often suppresses that side of people. So, you know, the priorities for Asian Americans uh, are like, you know, settle in America have a, you know, good career, you know, be financially stable. And I guess like, that's what a typical American dream might look like. Mm -hmm. But that those kinds of, you know, expectations um, from the culture or from your parents or whatever, don't necessarily align with your personal desires, right? Um, You know, what makes me happy isn't what makes them happy. So... Um, but yeah, a lot of times what ends up winning out and what did win out for the longest time was, yeah, your, your parents' expectations won out. <laughs> right. So, but now, um, now I think, um, it's changing a bit 
And so we're slowly starting to see more Asian Americans coming out into the kink community. Very fun. And for those uninitiated or those that don't know, I've always been under the understanding that a lot of Asian cultures is very community based, right? You were talking about how it's what your parents want, but on a larger part, it's kind of like what what the whole community wants, right? It's not so individualistic. It's very much what the group wants, so to speak. Very much so. Um, and, and Korean culture is like that. So, you know, these Korean communities are often small, tight knit. Um, yeah, it's, it is close. Um, so it's, it's hard to, you know, escape from that, um, especially because it's very much reinforced at home. Right. And you were talking about how usually more times than not, it's whatever the parent expectation is that usually gets overruled. Can Did you feel like when you were exploring your kinky side and exploring your gay side, um, did you feel like you were letting them down at any point? Oh, for sure. Like, I actually, came, I only came out to my parents a year ago. Um, oh, actually. wow. Yeah, uh, it's actually exactly a year ago now. Um, you know, I hid the secret for them for like 20 plus years. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I was out to other people before that. Like I came out to my sister and my friends and coworkers before then. Um, but I saved my parents all the way to the end. And that is and the reason I did that was because, yes, you know, growing up and up until last year, I felt like I would be a disappointment to them. You know, if I told them I was gay, um, they don't know that I'm you know, ABDL or pop, they don't, I don't know if they necessarily need to know that side of me. Mm -hmm. um, although I'm not sure if I uh, care anymore, honestly, at this point, if they did accidentally find out. Um, so, you know, I like to think of my, my online presence as pretty wholesome. So it is very <laughs> let them wholesome. find out. Very cute. Um, what was the reaction when you did come out? Um, I, they were, well, my, I was telling my mom first and I told him on video chat and, um, she kind of went into hysterics. Mm. Um, so it wasn't a good reaction initially, but um, surprisingly, she came around only a day after. Um, and, you know, she sent very supporting messages about, you know, how hard it must have been to suffer alone. And I think that's something that, you know, it's not unique to the Asian American experience. It's unique to, you know, pretty much everyone who comes out, you know, after the closet, after hiding for such a long time. Right. Are you able to talk about why you felt like after so many years, you felt like you needed to Right, like kind of like your kink persona, you could have left it hidden forever. What made what made you finally go, you know what they need to know? I got sick of uh, hiding my true self and lying to them all the time. Like, you know, I have I have a boyfriend and, you know, I kept telling them lies about a girlfriend and like, like, I felt like I couldn't move on with my life anymore. So, and, you know, I was here, I am like trying to explore, like I'm living one life in a very vibrant way. And then I can't do the same with around my parents. And I felt suffocated and I said, I can't do this anymore. So right. I just had to do it. Right. You bring up, you brought up the, you brought up the word suffocated and stuff. Did this affect your mental health a whole lot? So much. It was such a burden on me, and especially more so as a child. Um, you know, like, you know, like growing up, um, 
especially um, in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, where there was no even LGBTQ representation in general. And, you know, it was very much, you know, the homophobic culture was quite, you know, quite um, a lot. There was a lot of it. Right. Right. And so, yeah, growing up, it was very hard. Um, I often felt like I didn't belong, like I felt like a burden to them, even though I was succeeding in many other ways. Um, you know, I don't know if you know about the, you know, the best little gay boy in the world scenario where, you know, in order to make up for um, the perceived notion of being gay, um, to not be to not be that disappointment to your parents, you try to succeed in every other way possible to make up for that fact. Mm -hmm. So like, so you would excel in your studies, your extracurriculars, sports, um, and otherwise have like a super successful, um, I guess, a model minority <laughs> life. Right. Um, so that when you do come out to your parents, it's like, hey, mom and dad, I'm gay, but it's okay. Look how much I succeeded in life. Otherwise, you know, it was having, having those like other bases covered. Um, and which is why, you know, I felt safe enough to come out to them, you know, now that I'm all financially stable and, you know, I have a good career for boyfriend, et cetera. So, right. But then you bring up an interesting point of, you know, what happens if you can't Right? like, it's so hard already to succeed. It's already hard to be an adult, like no joke. And yeah. so, you know, just a little trigger warning, but you in your recent tweet thread, um, you brought up a very poignant and hard hitting point of you wrote that the Trevor Project recently re released this study that said 40% of Asian American Pacific Islander LGBTQ youth had considered suicide. And in their report, they actually said more than half was because that it was because of their sexuality. Someone tried to convince oh. them to change their sexuality. And so you bring up a very interesting point of, you know, if you can't succeed or you can't show off the other side of yourself, yeah, coming out to your parents as gay kind of seems like a very hard, serious thing to do and very difficult to do. Oh yeah, and the pressure on these kids is absolutely immense, um, you know, because, you know, you have to understand, like, these are Asian parents who sacrificed a lot to come to the U.S. in order to give their kids a good life. So there's already an immense pressure on them to succeed and meet those expectations. And um, so, yeah, and, and what a sad statistics that is, you know, 40 percent, like, like, I can't imagine, like, I thought I had it bad growing up. And I thought I honestly thought before I read that report, it got better. Mm -hmm. um, but it turns out it's not the case. And um, maybe it was much worse, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. So relatively speaking, maybe 40% is okay. But like, like, that's still so sad. Like, imagine if you walked into like a classroom of 20 students, and like, eight of them raised their hand and said, I'm thinking of killing myself. And then 3% end up doing it. It's like, oh, my God, what is wrong? And especially since it's such a silent thing, right? Like you, you can't catch it. It's either, in most cases, you can never tell if someone's going through something that hard. And that's why I always try to preach like, just be kind, because you really yes. don't know what someone's going through until it's too late. Yeah, and um, and Asian Americans have it in, this in their culture to kind of suffer in silence of a lot of these things. 
Um, and that's um, that's not just about um, you know, being gay. It's it's about a lot of things in general, actually. Like, you know, it's just even anything like political. Like, like we're not allowed to speak up or act out of you know these you know acts of injustice. Um, you know, stop Asian hate is was a recent thing, you know, recent movement that kind of you know went against that, where like Asians finally started speaking up for um, ourselves. But before that, it was mainly, you know, assimilate, be the quiet Asian, don't cause any trouble at school or society and behave. And so, yeah, and and suffering in silence about being gay is one of those things, um, you know, where you, you suppress this side of yourself to such a degree that you just kind of internalize it and you live with it, you know, despite being sad your entire life. Um, right. Right. And, and the study gives so many, like it gives so many points of like how you can combat that, right. Is something as simple as just parental acceptance of sexuality, um, youth having support groups, um, feeling that your race and ethnicity is important, right. Simple things, very large things, very complex things. But at the end of the day, something so simple that if you just accept and you just have this support group, it could get better, right. You were talking about how like, Maybe it is getting better and maybe we're trying and maybe the um, stop Asian hate movement is helping this statistic slowly rise out of the 40%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, yeah, and I think um, with the rise of the internet and social media in general, um, that's what's helped a great deal, knowing that there are other people like you out there. You know, that's, you know, I always say representation matters, visibility is important, and um, and that's actually I mean that's one of the reasons why I make my you know my content on social media you know so that you know that there are other Asian American APTL pups out there um, and so that others can see that. Let's jump into that for a second. You know we were kind of talking about you know you asked me the question before the interview am I the first Asian to come into Newsy's Nook and I am so embarrassed to say I actually can't recall if you are the first or not and so my question to you is. When you started making your profile, did you feel like the first? And what has um, the reaction been since you've started? <laughs> Do you get like all these like little baby Asian ABDLs going like, oh my gosh, thank you for starting your your profile? Well, it's not, I mean, well, I, I mean, I didn't start it with like such a, you know, like good intentions in mind. Like really it was more about just exploring ABDL and pup play. And, and the name was really just kind of like my online handle is like Korean puppy boy. Like I was just being lazy. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, although, um, although now I think it's, I, you know, I ended up choosing a very, you know, you know, to the point name. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess it works out in the end. And um, after I wrote that, that my recent message on AAPI, um heritage month you know i did have a lot of asians reach out to me and say thank you for you know spreading this message of awareness um so there are there are certainly other people out there in the community you know that that you know that you know appreciate this kind of message being spread and so um i guess if i had to say something to the community um <laughs> you know um it would be you know, spread, I would appreciate your help in spreading this kind of awareness and letting the other Asian Americans know that, you know, you're welcome into our communities. Do you find that most Asian profiles that do message you, are they blank? Are they locked? Do you find that a majority 
of those Asian kinksters online have a hidden, what I would call, quote unquote, a hidden profile? Um, I don't know if, I mean, not all of them. I mean, some are very well established Asian kinksters. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think being on social media in general is an act of courage for these Asian Americans. Um, but there are certainly ones with, you know, blank profiles or, you know, or at least ones where they, you know, prefer to hide their face. Um, although that's very common in ABDL in general, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, I mean, the reason they do that is because, you know, if they got found out in real life, there's this, you know, conceived notion that if you're outed in this capacity, your life is ruined and you're going to be outed to your family and your friends and they're going to disown you maybe. Um, so that's, that's at least, uh, you know, the notion that I grew up with, um, that, well, so, you yeah. now become a very cute influencer. <laughs> Has that spark of fear ever crossed your mind? I know you wear a your pup, your very cute pup hood, in all of your content. But has that thought ever crossed your mind? Like, oh no, I'm gaining too much traction. Someone might figure me out. Um, I mean, I think there are other people. Like my boyfriend is actually concerned about that. But <laughs> I, for me, I've kind of gotten over it because you know now. I'm at a point in my life where I feel very comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. And I guess the worst thing that could happen is if my, if like my coworkers found out um, and I wouldn't know how to explain it to my coworkers exactly. That, <laughs> um, but as far as like my, I guess, vanilla friends, uh, straight friends, or my, even my family finding out, like, I don't think I would really care. Like I would be able to say, I'm just, it's just me. It's just who I am. And that's okay. It's okay to be yourself. It's okay to be happy. I think that's a really important message I want to get across to other Asian Americans. It's okay to be happy and like actually happy, not like smiling at like materialistic things, but happy because you get to live your true self. Talk. Let's rewind a little bit. You brought up how like you used Twitter as a tool to look into kinks. Mm -hmm. If let's say I'm a little Asian kinky boy and I wanted to explore kinks, do you have any advice on how they could do that and how they can do that within their families, right? I think that's a key factor that you need to put into play here is I might be a gay Asian boy in a household currently. How do I navigate finding kinks when I still live with my parents? Actually, my parents are visiting right now. <laughs> They're upstairs. <laughs> I'm actually, oh, I, this is a bit hypocritical, but I probably, I like put away all of most of my kink stuff. <laughs> That's too funny. I mean, I mean, there's stuff that I just, I just have on a regular basis, but. Um, but how do you do that? Let's say like, could you give any advice to little queer Asian kinksters who may, you know, you know, they might still be living with, their parents or they're just recently out of their parents household but they still have that pressure of like i need to make my parents proud how do you explore kinks when you have that pressure on your shoulders i guess well first step i think is to be um comfortable with yourself and like accept um you know for for what you really are um you know especially with kinks like abdl which are like edge play i think a lot of people you know have this um shame in exploring it so that's the first step um you know especially if you're um, out of your parents reach 
like, and I will say that college, uh, you know, when I went to college, that was like my first real taste of gay freedom. It's like, finally, I can be myself. Um, so, but it took a really long time to, you know, get comfortable with my own kinks too. Um, so uh, if I had any advice for kids now, um, I mean, Really, it's um, finding that local community, I think, helps a lot, um, especially if you're in an area um, where there are events around you. And that that's also a you know, point of privilege, I think. You know, I'm lucky. Um, you know, I'm lucky to be in the New York City tri-state area where there are a lot of ABDL events. Um, and I am able to take advantage of that. Um, not every other, not every, you know, Asian American or person in general would be able to take advantage of that. Um, but finding a friend in the community, I think helps a lot. Someone who encourages you to explore that side of um, that, you know, that kinky side of you uh, and encourages you to come out to events. And that's what actually happened to me. Um, you know, for I had, you know, I was on social media, uh, just mm -hmm. kind of like in the background hiding for a really long time, mm -hmm. um, probably for like, uh, at least two, three, four years, like on my Instagram, I was, um, and then um, one day, um, a good friend of mine, a little pup, Max, uh, reached out to me on Instagram, and we started chatting, and um, he's the reason I became, I he he introduced me to pup play, and oh. it's the reason why I'm the little pup you see today on social media, actually, I, I, owe, I owe a great deal to Max, actually, and and if I actually had to name like a exemplary Asian American in the community, it would be uh, Max as uh, my number one. Aww. He really changed my life around. Um, like he's the reason why I went to a, my first ever event, um, and you know why I started exploring more. And you know now I, you know I'm lucky to be in his you know close social social circle. So. Oh, that's very fun, and that's so right. Right, finding a role model to push you is is very is very helpful in your in your kink journey and i just want to bring up because you did write in your thread something that made me kind of like take pause and i was like ah oh, right in the feels you said so the next time you see a quite asian at your local event please consider saying hello because that person overcame a lot to be there what were you talking about what was i know we've already hinted at it but overcame a lot put that into words what does that mean yeah, you know, um, well, everything we talked about, like just growing up in this super repressive environment where, um, you know, you're where you're not able to really, you know, find support in your family or from your culture or from even just everyday life where you feel like overwhelmingly suppressed and like where you feel like you can't be yourself. And, you know, to be able to take that first step into an event is a huge act of courage and but you know once you get there you know i feel like you know there's a separate feeling like a lack of feeling that you belong um, when you go to an event for the first time mm -hmm. like you're new uh, you may not know anyone so you just end up you know being quiet and you know staying in the background like you made the first step and you can't go any further right. and so having someone you know who's going to come up to you and say hello and welcome you into welcome to their community is, you know, would help a great deal. Um, and I think a good uh, event organizer, a good host, or, you know, good members of the community who go to these events, you know, would be, you know, 
do do that. They reach out, um, they offer a helping hand um, to these newcomers in general. So, did you say Little Pup Max t- took you to your to your first event, or he just encouraged you to go? No, he took me to my first event. Like uh, we had, um, he lives in Brooklyn, uh, which is very close, like an hour away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a pup night in Brooklyn, and uh, we had we met for a dinner beforehand, and we got to talk, got to know each other better, and uh, yeah, we, I mean, we pretty much held hands going to the event. <laughs> So, yes he walked me there yes he walked me to the first my first event <laughs> that's too cute i mean what was it what like describe it for someone who hasn't been to their first event and maybe going through this i mean what is it what is it like to go to your first pup event when you've literally been like holding back trying to suppress your kinky side yeah i mean um i mean i think people have different reactions like for me um I mean, this is just on me, like I'm introverted, shy and quiet, or at least I was, you know, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. Um, so it was very overwhelming for me, um, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, you know, I don't know if I had like the best night ever. It was it was a little too loud for my personal taste. But yeah. I mean, it was great, you know, meeting kinksters for the first time and getting to meet all these new people who are so free and that you can look up and aspire to be one day. You know, it really lights, you know, lights something inside your soul. I think, um, you know, it encourages you to go to other events and keep, you know, exploring within and getting comfortable within your own skin. Um, so, you know, you know, I have no regrets. Um, and so, um, you know, if anyone's listening and is, you know, has never gone to their an event for the first time, uh, please go because it, I think it will really change your life around for the better. Aww. Has your life changed since fully embracing your ABDL and pup side? So much, so much. Like, so like, and this is going back to this like childhood repression thing. Like, I feel like I was like a very happy kid growing up, like, you know, playful, carefree. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, the Asian culture beats that out of you and turns you into this mindless drone you really like locked your true self deep inside mm-hmm. and with abdl and pup play you know these you know these kinks that allow you to explore the headspace and really reach back deep within and unlock what you hit so deep inside of you you know it lets you break down those walls and you know so like now i feel like with with my presence on social media i can be that playful mischievous little puppy boy in my interactions with other people uh, so I'm so thankful for that, like, because I'm so happy when I get to do that and make someone else smile. Like, that's what makes me the happiest um, when I can bring a smile to someone else's face. Oh, that's so cute. I would ask you if you're padded now, but obviously you're not since your mom is downstairs. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, there are parts of little space that I always just carry with me. Like, I always say that, like, no matter what, I'm always in little puppy space. It's just who I am and how I act as a person. Um, I am wearing, uh, you know, like little boy undies and, you know, I have a, I do have a weenie cage on. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I, gosh. I have a weenie cage on in front of my parents. Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. cute. I love that. And then what about like, I just want, cause you know, I always find it very interesting. Is your partner also ABDL or nah? Yes, he is. Uh, we met on diaper boys. 
<gasps> wow, you hit the jackpot. You came out and you were like, I'm getting a diaper boy boyfriend. Yeah, so we, we met, uh, it's now been uh, four years and three months now. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't, I mean, I came out to my parents um, after I met my boyfriend, but, <laughs> but yes, I hit the jackpot. Yes. Uh, he's a little, and he, um, he's not a pup or, uh, but he does indulge all of my other kinks. So we have a very, um, I think a very wholesome relationship. We live on hugs and cuddles, basically. <laughs> That's the perfect way to end this live on hugs and cuddles. Well, thank you, JC, for coming to Newsy's Nook and talking about talking about your kinks and talking about um, how to survive being an Asian, Asian gay kinkster. Yes. And I hope you'll have other Asians on because, you know, like I said in the beginning, like I'm just one Asian in the community. Everybody else, you know, will bring a, will bring a different perspective. And, um, and even if it's not Asian American Heritage Month, you know, I'm sure, you know, um, another Asian would love to just talk about kinks in general. So I hope you do reach out to people like Max. <laughs> yes. Well, I was just about to ask you, I, I'm putting you on the hot seat right now, but if you had to recommend two others, I'll give, I'll give you, I'll give you Maxie as one of them. But if you have to, if you had to recommend two others that you feel like would be really good yeah. interview guests, who would those be? Uh, probably, uh, you know, Joel, that little Joel. Yes. We met at Capcom. Yes. Isn't he just a bundle of energy? Like he is a like, bundle of energy and he was so much fun at Capcom. Yes. I, I just like kept smiling every time I was like sitting next to him. Like we had lunch together and we were like gossiping the whole time. It was so cute. I loved it. Exactly. And he has such good outfits. Yes. Yes, he does. He, I mean, he owns, like, he, I feel like he really exemplifies, you know, what a, you know, openly living, you know, gay Asian American kingster is. Yes. So, yes. yes. All right. That's one. You need one more. Um, well, if, if not a uh, little pup max, um, there's a, there's another um, friend of mine uh, in Canada, Dumpling Saurus. Um, he also went to Cap. I'm not sure if you ran into him. Um, Maybe I would have to look him up. Yeah, he's also a BDL uh, furry as well. Uh, so, yeah, awesome. he's—I mean—he's been in the community for a long time. He really—he uh, you know, also goes to tons of events. I don't know how he has the energy, but mm -hmm. uh, he's also, I think, a great example of a of an Asian American who really exemplifies, you know, how kink should be practiced. <laughs> All right, kiddos, before I go, I just want to say I had so much fun at EDC. I only wore a diaper driving to Vegas, but good thing I did because if I wore during EDC, I think my thighs would have like just chafed off because I did so much walking. Um, if there are any rave babies going next year, please let me know. I think it would be so much fun to get like a whole group together and have like an ABDL totem or something. Um, I know EDC is crazy expensive so if there are any rave babies in the la area going to any fun raves close by please let me know i would love to join you okay next episode will be the beginning of the month episode which means i will be highlighting some kinky events happening all month long within our communities if you want your event mentioned on the podcast please message me on instagram or twitter at newsy baby all right kiddos i gotta go change see ya bye Thank you.